Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Jay Doherty Podcast. This is episode number 65, recorded on Sunday, January 27th, 2019. I'm broadcasting live right now. It's 1.54 in Chicago, where I'm broadcasting right now. And, you know, recently, at least on the previous episode of this podcast, episode number 64, I talked about the chaotic day that uh, President Trump and basically all of Washington and uh, Fort Lauderdale had on uh, Friday. But today, I'm going to be looking ahead into the future as to what specific things that President Trump could do to get uh, his former friends or former colleagues out of some trouble using specific privileges allotted to him under the Constitution due to the fact that he is the President of the United States. We'll break down presidential pardoning. We'll talk about national emergencies, what that actually means, and get down to all of the um, specific details as to what uh, each of these terms mean because they're thrown around and not many people know what they are. So I want to talk about that, and also I want to play one of my favorite... uh, comical takes on Wilbur Ross, which just aired last night, and a skit of Tucker Carlson tonight on Saturday Night Live. Cold open, I'll talk about what I thought about that, I thought it was very funny, and uh, we'll talk about um, that and so much more, including some new video upgrades and additions that could potentially be coming to the studio. It's all coming up next on episode number 65 of the Jay Doherty Podcast, recorded Sunday, January 27th. 2019. All right, everyone, the show today brought to you by Blueberry. If you want to go and help out the podcast and help out Blueberry to get the best hosted, the fastest podcast production and podcast hosting, you can go to j-doherty.com slash blueberry, and you will support the show and also support Blueberry and also support yourself because you're giving, you're going to get, with you when you use Blueberry, I use it myself and millions or hundreds of thousands of others do for their podcast hosting, it's Blueberry, j-story.com slash Blueberry. If you go there, you'll support the podcast and also get a month free of their service so you can test it out, cancel if you want to. Either way, you support the show and you support Blueberry. I highly recommend their service. I would not have them be affiliated with the show if um, I did not. So just want to give Blueberry a quick shout out and thank them for their support uh, of the show. All right, so let's let's jump right to uh, what's happening in Washington and in across the world right now. First of all, I'll start with some lighter stuff because that seems to be how it always ends up going here on this podcast, uh, the Jay Doherty podcast, which you can learn more about at j-doherty.com if you want to learn more about the podcast. But let's talk about what happened on Saturday Night Live last night. They always have something that's just, in my opinion, very, very funny. Uh, and most of the time it's pretty relevant, and yesterday would be a great example of when it is relevant, because they did a great job, uh, in my opinion, portraying Wilbur Ross. Now, the actor who played Wilbur Ross on yesterday's Tucker Carlton Tonight uh, cold open skit on SNL was Kate McKinnon. It was a female playing a male, of course, that's normally how it is uh, in terms of Washington political figures, unfortunately, but that's that's how it is, and... um. 
yeah, so they, they basically make a mockery out of what Mr. Ross had said, as I covered in an article on the Doherty Files, which you can find at j-doherty.com slash news. Um, Wilbur Ross, basically, when the shutdown was, when the government was shut down, um, he, Wilbur Ross basically said on an MSNBC program that there is no reason that governor or government workers should be complaining who are affected by the shutdown, because they can easily just go to a bank and take out a low-interest loan. And, uh, you know, they really have nothing to worry about, because that's just a viable option. And people... Okay, so there's two reasons. Number one, not everyone can do that. Number two, if ever, if you could just do that, why wouldn't everyone be doing that? And also, why wouldn't they be unemployed? Like, everyone would be unemployed if you could easily just take out a low-interest loan and, you know, be a billionaire like Mr. Ross's. That's what made people mad. He is literally sitting on his high horse <laughs> saying to all these federal workers who are most of them living paycheck to paycheck, saying, go take out a loan and go take out a loan and, um, you know, easily just have no problems with... Um, you're with, you know, the finances and everything, you know, because, you know, because they were affected by the shutdown. Now, uh, Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, uh, made these jokes, or played by Kate McKinnon on this, po- on this uh, SNL program, made these comments, and I thought it was more relevant. They took it to a very high extreme, one that I did not think that they were taking it to, but they, they did, and they basically just made a total mockery out of this. Again, this is an, a skit interview on Tucker Carlson Tonight on Saturday Night Live last night. Where, where do I look? Do I look into the spaceship? Now, Wilbur, earlier this week, you said that you didn't understand why furloughed government workers needed food assistance because they could just, quote, take out low-interest loans instead. Right. Well, that was silly of me. I simply meant that there are other ways of getting money. Like, they could have liquidated some of their stocks or sold one of their paintings. I mean, even if they sold a lesser Picasso, that's still going to get you through a week or two of yacht maintenance. I still think that comes across as insensitive to people living paycheck to paycheck. No, no. All I meant was that we all have to make sacrifices in times of hardship. For example, instead of going out to dinner, you could open a restaurant in your house. (laughs) Or for a period of time, you could have your horses attend public school. (laughs) The small things add up. (laughs) All right, so, So, so... So you don't think the Trump administration is out of step with the American people? No, no. Look, maybe I do sleep in one of the cocoons from the movie Cocoon. But that doesn't mean I live in a bubble. I live in a cocoon. And that's basically the end of the uh, Wilbur Ross portion of uh, the the, uh, SNL skit. I thought it was really funny because um, it really portrays the the amount of elitism, I guess, I don't know if that's technically a word, but the amount of elitists who make up Trump's presidential cabinet. A lot of them are multi-billionaires, and the ones who are not uh, mostly have very little experience in the areas that they were appointed to. 
but yeah, so th- so that's just my little take on that. I thought that was really, in- I-, I thought that was very funny. Wilbur Ross's uh, little skit on SNL where he, ba- I mean, I thought just how unrelatable, like even, I mean, obviously it's clear joke, but just how unrelatable, how you can say, you know, why don't you just liquidate your stocks or, you know, even sell one of your paintings and that'll pay for some, you know, a couple weeks of yacht maintenance. You know what I mean? Like that's so like just, you know, hashtag unrelatable is as the millennials would say. So that's just my little take on that. And, uh, that was, again, I'll have the video embedded. It has over 1.2 million views already. And it was just on, uh, yeah, just posted on YouTube last night on, uh, Saturday Night Live. So very good. Uh, I thought I just wanted to point that out. There's also a skit with Roger Stone. I'm not going to play it. Although I thought it was really funny. They compared the FBI raid on his house to the scene from Captain, Am- from the Avengers movie where Captain America and some other members of his team, uh, swarm their house, come through th- the ceiling, break all the windows, smash glass, and shoot guns. Of course, that's what Roger Stone seemingly compared it to, at least in the ways that he's begging for money and things like that. But uh, that that seems to be how uh, it was portrayed in his mind and how it's portrayed in the uh, the eyes of many other conservative people. So yeah, that was that was just my little little thing that I wanted to talk about right there. Um, and I covered, if you want to learn more about that, I wrote a long article on the Doherty Files about Roger Stone's arrest, and then also on, uh, episode 64 of the podcast, I talked about, uh, Roger Stone's arrest as well. So, yeah, uh, let's talk about, uh, the very important point of presidential pardons. That was a lot of P's right in a row. Important point of presidential pardons. Um, there's a lot of rules that go behind the, um, pardon, you know, go be, go behind pardoning people, um, of course, it's a, most of these rules base from the Constitution, um, in fact, in, I believe the Constitution was amended, and I know this actually for a fact, in 1789, the Constitution was amended, in Article 2, Section 2, it states specifically, and I quote from the Constitution itself, It says that he, referring to the president, shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for the offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. So basically they're saying the only thing that's off limits that you cannot do as a president when you pardon someone is when you, uh, you cannot take impeachment away from a person in political office or anything, you know, like that. You cannot, that's the only thing that's off-limits in terms of crimes. The other thing that's off-limits, you cannot pardon for state crimes, obviously, only federal crimes that you can pardon for. And if we look at the, you know, historically, how these pardons and how they've, you know, taken place, according to the Pew Research Center, FDR held the record for the number of pardons and superseded all the other recent and record-holding presidents. FDR did 2,819 pardons over the course of his presidency. Uh, Obama, or sorry, Reagan did 393. Obama did 212. George W. Bush did 189. Bush did 74. And Trump did 5 in the course of his presidency. And it could turn to 12 if he pardons these 7 other people within the Manafort investigation. Probably going to be more if they, you know, get Don Jr. or any of the other, um, potentially affiliated, uh, you know, subjects of interest in the Mueller investigation, it could turn up to be more. Uh, so very, very, uh, you know, 
it, it's interesting, and you know, pardoning is one of the greatest privilege that, privileges in terms of taking and restoring rights to people who committed federal offenses. You know, when you're a president, that's at the top of what you can do, and you know, there's no limit, in fact, as to how many pardons that you can give out. The only thing that has been brought up by this administration, especially, um, you know, this, okay, this is very funny. The the only thing that, that's kind of a, a subject of interest and things that is, you know, a subject that is very important to the president and has been kind of debated heavily because there's such little in the Constitution about it is the ability for a president to pardon himself. And this was originally Rose, this came into question uh, at 7.35 a.m. on June 4th of 2018 when Donald Trump tweeted, As have been stated by numerous legal scholars, I have the absolute right to pardon myself. And pardons all in caps. He goes on to say, But why would I do that when I have done nothing wrong? In the meantime, the never-ending witch hunt led by 13 very angry and conflicted Democrats and others continues into the midterms. So, after that tweet, um, presidents and other people just continued to question, looked at, um, you know, th- these rules, and does the president, is he making a false claim? He said that he has the right to pardon himself, so CNBC immediately rebuttaled and wrote an article where they cited Jamal Green, who's a Dwight, uh, professor of law at Columbia Law School. He said, there are lots of questions that are up for interpretation, including this one. He says, my own view is that when the Constitution can be read, for example, the, um, Let's see. When the Constitution can be read to create an absurd or outrageous result, for example, the notion that the president could uh, commit treason or commit terrorist acts without being subject to legal to any legal process other than impeachment, that we should read the Constitution not to permit that. If we look back at Nixon's scandal with the Watergate scandal, where he was trying to pardon himself, or at least uh, was able to be pardoned by after you know when when uh, Nixon resigned, um, Ford, Gerald Ford, his then vice president, became president, was sworn in, and immediately one of the first things that Gerald Ford did once Gerald once he was in office is he pardoned Nixon from everything. He basically just took away all of the punishment that Nixon was going to have to face, took it all away, and um, no problem, no questions asked in terms of that. So very very interesting uh, there because. Another thing that could even happen, and this uh, this probably will never happen, although it could, there are no rules citing that you that a president cannot resign, promote his vice president into office, and then resume presidency because the vice president, and I'll talk about this more specifically in a second, the vice president uh, can pardon the own president. And to continue my original point on... Uh, if the president can actually pardon himself, there was a memorandum opinion uh, for the deputy attorney general where it cited specifically that the president cannot pardon himself, and that was made on August 5th of 1974. So basically, the Trump lied in that tweet. There, He cannot pardon himself, uh, at least according to the documents that have been reviewed and things like that, and legal analysts are saying uh, that you cannot pardon yourself, Mr. President. But the vice president could pardon the president, which means that if 
Trump made uh, Vice President Pence, if Trump resigned, Pence would become president. Pence could then say, oh, I want Trump to be president and pardon him. So, assuming the president has not been impeached and committed a federal crime, Pence could pardon Trump, get Trump right back into office, no questions asked. Now, of course, that's incredibly unlikely to happen, and, you know, everything is circumstantial, but as it appears on paper, that could happen. So that's really interesting. Now, as a synopsis and looking at everything in terms of what what has happened, what could happen in terms of presidents, let's look at these couple of points. So the more important points is that the United States president can pardon anyone convicted of a federal crime, not a state crime. Also, no court has decided if a president can pardon himself, so while there is uh, tons of evidence suggesting that the president cannot pardon himself, and it is unlikely that any president should or would have to, um, there is no conclusive result as to if the president can do that due to the very little um, citation about it within the Constitution. Impeachments are totally off-limits, so you cannot uh, pardon anyone who has been impeached, uh, there is a, of course, as I read before, there is a memorandum that was written in 1974 that says no, although it is not an official legal document that proposes and changes and amends the Constitution, although a vice president may pardon a president if he takes over and then assuming the president comes back right into office and assumes control of, um, you know, the presidency. So, technically, yes, technically, no. <laughs> uh, le- well, actually, that's kind of a bad, bad answer. Um, Trump can... Base- okay, so as it stands right now, Trump, like, right now, as I'm speaking right now, the seven people involved publicly in the Mueller investigation who are being uh, questioned and being interrogated by Mueller are perfect subjects for Trump to pardon. He can pardon them, he can get rid of all the crimes that they've ever committed once the investigation is over. So that's no problem, because they committed federal crimes. As reference, of course, in the numerous indictments that have come out, especially recently with Roger Stone, which you can find his specific indictment at uh, j-dorty.com slash Roger Stone indictment, and you'll be able to find the actual file, which is incredibly hard to find anywhere on the internet, but I was able to acquire it from Document Cloud, and we got that on the website as well. So, um, to take, so the conclusive results that I've found from my research is that there is no legal document citing whether or not the president can or cannot pardon himself. And I apologize for that notification sound right there, but there is no legal document that says whether or not a president can pardon or not pardon himself. Although, there is a memo that goes in-depth to the research, and I'll have the memo posted on our, uh, on the website, j com that says that the president cannot pardon himself, and that is basically a memo interpreting the Section 2 of the Constitution in Article 2, where they describe it. And I'll take a look more at exactly what the Constitution says. In fact, I'll read it if I have the um, tab open here. Yeah, it does. So, in Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution, it says, and I'm going to read the full, I mean, really the only important part of it is the part that I read before, but I'm going to read the whole thing for the sake of accuracy and context. It says, in the beginning of Article 2, Section 2, The President shall be Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy of the United States 
and of the militia of several states when called into the actual service of the United States, he may require the opinion in writing of the principal officer in each of the in the executive departments upon any subject relating to the duties of their respective offices, and he shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. So yes, they do specifically outline that he shall have the power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except for impeachment. He also has the power, by and with the advice and consent of the Senate, to make treaties provided to two-thirds of the senators present uh, concur, and he shall nominate and by, uh, and by, and, or excuse me, that this is weirdly worded, of course, uh, it says, uh, blah, 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 and consent uh, of the Senate shall appoint ambassadors, public ministers, consuls, and judges, etc. So, that's, that's really the point, um, where this, where this whole, you know, thing comes in. Of course, you can read the full Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution, but it's really just one paragraph where they briefly address pardons, which has led to the many questions about if the president can pardon himself. Um, as I assume, what I would, you know, say now is probably no, although there is no conclusive answer, um, but what I will say is that all of the people involved in the Mueller investigation, like um, George Papadopoulos, Rick Gates, uh, Michael Cohen, Roger Stone, Jerome Corsi, they can all pardon, or Trump can all pardon them, no questions asked, because they have committed several federal crimes, and he can pardon all of them with no questions asked. So, you know... That's really all you need to know about it, is that the only rules, in terms of, the, there's only really two basic rules in terms of pardoning, and no one ever really talks about, they, they overcomplicate it, but at the end of the day, all you, the two requirements for you to be pardoned is that you have to create a, or you have to commit a federal crime, or a series of federal crimes, you also have to uh, commit a crime that is not impeachment. So, if you can do any of those things, and you have a good relationship with the president, <laughs> you can be pardoned. Uh, so, basically, in other words, you, you can do any, you, you cannot be pardoned if you commit a federal, a state, you, in other words, you cannot be pardoned if you committed a state crime, or if you did something that is impeachable or has been impeached. So, assuming none of these people in the Mueller investigation are impeached, which is highly unlikely because they don't hold any you know, place, they're not in a position of power where they could be impeached, um, Trump can easily pardon them, no questions asked, as long as he wants to do so, um, you know, and of course, they all committed federal crimes, so, <laughs> it's, uh, easy to pardon them in terms of where the president stands right now, um, so I believe that's all there really is to talk about, you know, pardoning and the rules about it, there's not, like, too much about pardoning because of the the amount of briefness that is in the constitution um but so yeah that that's that's all the rules we have and i again i'll have an article with all the show notes about the rules and everything like that uh in the uh, on the website j-doherty.com you can find it specifically at j-doherty.com slash episode number or no sorry j-doherty.com slash episode 65 so, um, briefly, we'll take a look before we ep- we wrap up the episode. Let's take a look at uh, the U.S. Code Title 50, War and National Defense, what it means to declare a national emergency, which Trump will probably never do, 
although it is possible and he has threatened to do it. So, let's take a look. Uh, really, the important dates to look at is September 14, 1976, when the National Emergencies Act of 1976 was signed by Gerald Ford on September 14th to formalize the emergency powers of the president, as well as create checks and balances for the power through Congress. So, in terms of what this is, a national emergency is a national crisis or situations where circumstances threaten the country and call for an immediate response by the president. So, <laughs> really, the, the tricky thing with uh, national emergencies is the uh, interpretation of them. Of course, I would not consider the lack of a wall to be an emergency, just like many of the Americans in this country would agree with me. The lack of a wall has no immediate uh, repercussions that Americans have to deal with on a daily basis. Basis, in terms of you know the large thing. Of course, there's tons of crime, and you know whether a wall can stop that. That's all up to subjection and interpretation. You can you can under you can uh, agree or disagree with the president, whatever you want. But the lack of a wall, in my humble opinion, is not a lack of emergency, or is not a national emergency. Excuse me. Um, so all of what constitutes an emergency is up for debate, but it requires the uh, president to uh, use an existing law to justify the declaration. So he can't just say, you know, uh, he can't declare a national emergency if he didn't, you know, get his, um, you know, if he, I don't know, I, I'm trying to come up with, like, a very idiotic example. Like, you know, he can't declare a national emergency if he spills milk or something like that. He has to base his national emergency declaration off of a law that has already existed before um, there's no rules about how long the law has to have been enacted for, but that's what it means. So, in terms of um, national emergencies and things like that, I mean, most of the time, it's really big deals. Now, um, George W. Bush, I mean, when 9-11 happened, that was a real national emergency, when the country was directly attacked by a foreign enemy and thousands of people were killed in one, you know, sequestered area. Um, another example of this in 2009, when the swine flu outbra uh, out like broke out, uh, President Obama declared a national emergency, and that allowed uh, hospitals and local governments to establish sites to deal with the virus. And I believe none of them, you know, it was free. So, in terms of recent times, this has been existed. You know, this is an sorry, not exist. This has been existent. This has been existent in 2001 when 9 11 happened, in 2009 when the swine flu broke out and uh, Obama declared a national emergency. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, those are big deals where it's killing thousands of people in a very, very, very quick, t quick amount of time, whereas just thousands of people are immediately being, you know, killed, hurt, or injured. You know what I mean? So, though, that's, that's when a national emergency, at least historically, has been appropriate. But really, the question is can a national emergency automatically grant funding for the wall to Donald Trump. According to experts, they have, well, as I always say that, but there's really no conclusive um, evidence or any conclusive, uh, you know, result as to if this would, if declaring a national emergency could easily unlock funding for the wall. Technically, at least according to what the president is saying, it can. Because how, the way I look at it, and the way I've stated as it stated 
um, it before, is that a national emergency is basically, in terms of the after effects of it, tapping into the country's emergency fund. So, you know, if you, sometimes people will stash away a couple hundred dollars and only use it in case, you know, they get fired or, you know, the war breaks out, they can't go to, you know, their job, they're in, you know, they're searching for a job, they're not having income, you know, they stash away a couple hundred, a couple thousand dollars um, in case of that emergency. And the, uh, in the United States' case, we have a couple hundred billion dollars in our emergency fund, which is quite comforting to know, although we are incredibly broke, but, you know, that, <laughs> that, that doesn't matter, right? Anyway, uh, but yeah, so I, I, the way I look at it is Trump asked for $5.7 billion for his wall. He's saying, I can easily, according to an internal document that was somehow obtained by CNN, I can take out $7 billion if I declare a national emergency, but I really do not want to because I don't think it is necessary. And I do agree with him on that, that it is not necessary to declare a national emergency, and I really hope the Democrats and the Republicans can be receptive to debates and negotiations that will continue to go on and start on Monday. The end. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. And I hope that uh, you enjoyed this episode of the Jay Doherty Podcast. It was episode number 65, and we're closing out at a half hour right now on the dot. We are uh, 26 seconds away from the half hour. I'm going to try and close it up exactly on time. It's 2.24 right now in Chicago, and I'm so glad that you could uh, be here and listen to the podcast. If you want to learn more about the podcast and about what I do, how I write, and what I write about, the website is j doherty.com. Call in. The phones are open 24 7 at 312 625 8492. I'll be back uh, next. Actually, I'll be back tomorrow, so stay tuned for an episode for that. It's 225 right now, Sunday, January 27, 2019, the 65th episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And we're done.